Uncharted Podcast, Episode 2, Fat Biking, Winter Mountain Biking. And hello, I'm your host, Geo Joe, coming to you from beautiful Denver, Colorado area. Welcome to the Uncharted Podcast. In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Andrew Brandon about fat biking and winter mountain biking. We'll talk with explorer John Milligan about the Slick Rock Trail, talk about gators, explore tips, and more. Welcome to the Uncharted Podcast. Okay, and welcome back to the Uncharted Podcast. Again, we have the great pleasure today of speaking with Andrew Brannon of Beeline Bicycles about fat biking and winter mountain biking. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest to the Uncharted Podcast. And just by way of introduction, uh, he's a great guy. We've been looking at his background uh, up to a lot of great things. And so we thought it'd be good to bring him onto the show and uh, help us know a little bit more about winter mountain biking, fat tire biking, etc. So he's also in the Denver area, and he introduces himself as someone who's a nut for anything on two wheels. <laughs> he has five mountain bikes and a road bike. He's raced motocross for 10 years, did cross-country, downhill, and enduro mountain bike racing, uh, still does. And he's the three-time finisher of the Bailey 100-mile mountain bike race. And, of course, uh, since we're talking about fat biking, obviously he's somebody that's uh, heavily involved in that road biking, etc. Lots of other hobbies, uh, skiing, backpacking, hiking, lake kayaking, snowshoeing. So name a sport and he's probably is involved in it. Um, and another interesting fact about him, uh, you know, most of us, when we wake up in the morning, we probably have a little bit of a tough time deciding what kind of clothes we want to wear in the morning. Uh, he has 22 backpacks that he owns, so he might have trouble deciding which backpack he's going to use for a given day. Is that right, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> have a little addiction to gear and technology. <laughs> well, another cool thing he's been doing is uh, he is involved in a great uh, project, a great organization that is called Trips for Kids uh, with the Denver chapter of that organization. Hopefully we can uh, talk about that a little bit too um, during the show where he's been leading and guiding mountain bike day trips for inner city kids um, and folks that are some some kids that are in some tough times and getting them outdoors and uh, out on the bikes and doing some great things too he's also been a sports specialist bike mechanic for rei and he's the current owner and operator of a beeline bikes mobile bike shop which uh, hopefully we can talk about that too so again without further ado uh, welcome to the uncharted podcast andy oh thanks a lot joe i appreciate you getting me on yeah, and thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. You know, we were talking before the Uncharted podcast. We're all about trying to break down barriers and obstacles for folks that want to go out and experience uh, new things, make some new discoveries. And this uh, fat biking, fat tire mountain biking uh, activity has really been piquing my own interest uh, personally. Uh, and obviously, uh, as you look at the interest in the uh, activity, it's it's been on the upswing. There's more and more people that seem to be wanting to do it, and it seems like the reasons why are pretty clear, at least one in particular, which is a lot of us who like uh, to do mountain biking 
or any kind of biking, when the winter comes, it gets snowy, it gets icy. We can't really do it anymore, but <laughs> because it gets too slippery. But somewhere along the way, someone found out a good idea to uh, make the tires bigger and uh, a little bit less pressure and gives you some good friction. And you can still go out biking in the winter. So that's one of the main advantages of uh, fat biking from what I see. But Andy, if you wouldn't mind, if you can just... Uh, Quickly introduce to our audience, especially to those who might have, and this might be the first time they're ever hearing about it, what exactly is fat biking or fat tire mountain biking per se? Yeah, you're exactly right about getting some big volume tires that you can run low pressure and get traction in situations where you never imagined it would work. Um, I used to be happy riding, you know, 4,000 miles off-road in the summer doing training and racing, and then I would be burned out. And I'd be happy to just put the bikes away and go skiing and snowshoeing and enjoy the winter. And I kind of resisted it for a while, but a buddy got a, a fat bike and he went on, he went out of town and I got to use it for a short time. And as soon as I got on it, I just couldn't believe how fun it was. And now I can ride year round and it's amazing fun. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And, you know, I've, I've heard uh, some other, uh, possible benefits to it too. You know, depending on the terrain, uh, whether it be not just snow, but even, uh, sand, um, kind of mushy ground, uh, bumpy ground. There's, there's a little bit of benefit to that too. Is that, is that, have you found that with your experience riding on the fat tires? Yeah. One of our local trail networks up in Pine Junction is Buffalo Creek and it's really decomposed granite. It's real slippery on a traditional mountain bike tire, even in the summer. You can go out there with a fat bike year-round and get around real good confidence and just have fun with it. Cool, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Uh, what did you say with Pine Creek and what else, Beaver? Uh, Pine, Pine Junction. It's the Buffalo Creek uh, Mountain Bike Recreation Area. Oh, okay, yeah. It's one of the – it's about an hour from, from Metro Denver and the Colorado Trail runs through the southern end of it, but there's about 50 or 60 miles of trail out there. It's just a wonderland. And, yeah, fat bikes are so cool because you have you know, typical mountain bike tires two inches wide, roughly, and a fat bike, they're four to five inches wide, depending on how you want the ride. Like the four inches is a little more maneuverable and trail, more like a mountain bike, where five is for softer conditions and more flotation. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the the pressure, uh, how how high is the pressure? It was somewhere around like 10 psi compared to the higher pressures that a typical bike would be at. Yeah, that's kind of on the high end for that would be for like the summer riding on dirt. In the to get traction in looser snow, you get down into the single digits. I run four or five if it's going to be pretty loose. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty low. That's that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people are used to running, you know, if you have two tires and mountain bike in the summer, you got to run 38 to 40. And with that high-volume tire, it's just magical. You can run it down super low, and then the tire just rolls over and smooths out the trail and gives you a lot of confidence. It's just a whole lot of fun. All right. Yeah, and so if you were to describe to somebody what the feel of riding that type of bike as opposed to your typical traditional mountain bike would be how how would you describe that for me a fat bike i like to uh it's 
to me, it's just a snow bike. Mm-hmm. I like to ride them on snow when I wouldn't normally be out riding. A lot of people like them year round because you, you get really good traction. It's, if you're riding up a real steep, loose, rocky trail, you can pedal along and it's, you're just glued to the trail. You, you don't get that rear end slipping on you like a normal right. mountain bike tire. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely feel that. I, I had the chance recently to to try it out myself a little bit. Unfortunately, not in the snow yet, but um, uh, it kind of reminded me of my first time mountain biking, actually, which um, it's it's kind of it might be kind of backwards the way I did this. But my first mountain biking experience was on Slick Rock. <laughs> <laughs> in Moab. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. I got spoiled right from the start. <laughs> um, I mean, I had my own bike as a kid that I, you know, rode around in my backyard. Uh, we, I grew up with, you know, with some woods in my backyard. And so I did that a little bit, but my, my real first mountain biking experience was, was slick rock. And it was amazing how, you know, that, that traction, that friction feel like you just, you could be so much more confident, right? You could, you, you could just really feel that difference because your whole life beforehand you had been used to some of that slippage and you know what have you um so i was re- i was really shy and obviously slick rock's kind of the extreme example right because of the the friction of the stone itself the, the the rock itself but but uh but yeah on that getting on that fat bike uh system it was kind of like you know, getting, you just felt that friction even more <laughs> is, I, I guess that's how I would describe what, you know, what my first impression with it. Yeah, that's the way it works. It's great for people that are wanting to try out off-road cycling because it just gives you confidence and you don't have to go through the, taking your lumps right away and losing confidence. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the listener, oh, go ahead. I would say that's one of my favorite things about the work I've done in the past of just getting new riders out. Is I went through back in the nineties, I went through the process of hurting myself and making all these mistakes, trying to figure, figure the stuff out without the information uh-huh. <laughs> and to be able to take new riders and let them bypass those initial struggles, and uh-huh. just get them, get them up to a level with some guidance. Yeah, that's one of the best things. Yeah. Um, one of the listeners had a question about the, uh, suspension, uh, because, you know, typical mountain bike, a lot of mountain bikes have the fork suspension and that's one way to absorb some of that, <clears throat> some of that ruggedness. But, uh, with the fat tire bikes, it's, you know, a lot of times you don't necessarily need the suspension, right? Or, or the tire is what absorbs a lot of that shock. Can you speak to that a little bit as far as, um, you know, how those two compare and if there is a comparison uh, that can be made and, and sort of like, do you, do you need fork suspension with a fat tire bike at all or is, is just the tires enough? Um, what do you think? Uh, my fat bike is just a basic fat bike that's rigid with no suspension, but the tires give about equivalent of about 40 centimeters or about 40 millimeters, excuse me, of, of give and they, they roll over and morph to the terrain and smooth it out quite a bit. But for winter, you know, the snow fills in all the undulations in the terrain and the rock and it's a pretty smooth, you can ride trails that are pretty smooth and 
you can get away with not needing suspension for summer riding. I would still want suspension. Okay. I'm a, I like to, even on a fat bike, I would, I would want to use suspension in the, on rocks and roots in the summer. Okay. Huh. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a good point. Um, and then another question came in as far as the physical effort. Uh, I've noticed some folks that I've talked to that's been doing this. They, they feel like there's, there's, uh, there's, a little bit more effort, and I, I guess that makes sense from a, just a physical standpoint. It's more friction. It's you know, it's more friction, more drag. <laughs> you're gonna, you're kind of having to over overpower through more when you're riding that type of bike. Have have you noticed that physically as you're riding? Yeah, for sure. The traction's amazing and it's a lot of fun, but yeah, all that rubber is, weighs quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess that going back to some reasons why somebody might want to do it, uh, I've also heard that it's it can be good for you know a, a cross training benefit. <laughs> you are working yourself a little bit harder, and therefore you go downhill skiing, you go do something else uh, that requires those muscles. You've been working harder with your biking, and a little bit of a side benefit to that, perhaps. <laughs> oh, no doubt, and. Along the Colorado Front Range, there's so much pressure on the, a lot of people love to get out and enjoy the different activities on the trails and the trails get wider and wider with people trying to go around each other and it's so neat because in the winter, the trails get real narrow again because people just walk on a narrow trail and fat biking it with fresh snow and just a few people out there. It's, <laughs> you gotta, you'd ride a much narrower track and it, I think it's great training for riding summer trails because you got to really use a lot of body English and practice your slow balance and yeah huh well you know and there's probably less people going out and about on the trail too that you have to uh, kind of maneuver around too in the winter I would imagine yep. <laughs> so there's yeah, another benefit yeah but yeah traditionally the cyclists yield to hikers and snowshoers so you want to yeah. Pull over for them, and sometimes, yeah, if it's real deep snow on the side, it's, it can be, I've tipped over and gotten stuck without realizing how deep it was, and this makes it fun, though, because it's snow, and you just dive into a snow bank, and <laughs> yeah, you don't get hurt, and it's just, everybody's yeah. laughing, and yeah, <laughs> people love to see the bikes, the hikers love the bikes, they just look like a cartoon clown bike or something, and it just kind of <laughs> breaks that tension. A lot of times, the in the summer, you know, Cyclists go are having fun and going fast, and sometimes there's conflicts. And in the winter, it just seems like people are it's less less people out in general. But people love those bikes, and it's just everybody wants to talk about them and good stuff. Yeah, good discussion point. You're right, conversation starter. <laughs> Since it's such a new yep. shiny a new shiny object, right? <laughs> so yep, cool. Uh, yeah, so. On that note, as far as some of those types of considerations, you're mentioning like the hikers and whatnot, um, any other safety issues or considerations somebody might want to, you know, somebody goes out. I know there's some places out here in Colorado and other places across the, across the globe that will rent, you know, bikes so you can kind of try it out. But if somebody's brand new to this and they just get on the bike and they start riding, any kind of safety or technique considerations you, you think that they should know about? You have to, again, just like in the summer, it's just good practice to team up with somebody and you you don't want to go out alone. You want to use the buddy system and 
recruit one of your friends to go try it with you and at least at least go with two people and have some the same essential stuff you need you know it's more important if you're getting out there in the winter to have your essential safety items like a space blanket a way to you know flashlight and one of the most important things is tell somebody where you are going that yeah. back at home and when you when you're expected back right okay and then if it's cold if you're gonna you know you got to know where you're going because if you go out and it's a little more dangerous if you go out and get lost and the sun goes down because then it gets cold a lot faster so yeah so be prepared and plan ahead okay yeah and plan ahead uh takes more time to slow down takes <laughs> it's slippery you know it's typical winter driving stuff just like in the car right but applied to yeah. applied to a bike yeah. <laughs> so how about you know somebody getting started right so if somebody wants to you mentioned getting with somebody that can show them the ropes and so forth uh, any other specific recommendations to somebody or this is brand new and they just want to get started and, you know, where do they go, where do they go? Um, who, you know, what kind of place should they go to? What, what kind of, uh, uh, person should they get advice from, you know, any, any pointers for helping someone, um, kind of make that jump? Well, the, it's really easy because so many people that are into bikes at bike shops, or even I'm on a, a trail conditions website uh, on Facebook. There's in our local area, it's 303 Trail Monitor, and there's just great people giving conditions and advice. And, you know, over the years, I've worked with the local IMBA affiliate is COMBA, the Colorado Mountain Bike Association. And they have, they put on rides, and there's just so many great outlets for people to get into it with support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So bike shops, clubs, some of those, uh, mountain bike organizations. And then as far as like the places that, uh, to go, you know, places where it's, where, where, uh, it's, it's an optimal place to actually do this. Right. Do you have any places you recommend? Yeah. If, if somebody wants to try it out, I always take them, you know, for people on the Colorado Front Range, I go up to Conifer and go to Flying J Ranch. It's just a it's a relatively level three mile circuit, so you're never too far out there. But it's wooded and it's got the it's got the visuals you want and the yeah that's that's the go to yeah Flying J Ranch. It's a Jefferson County open space park. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. And then how about uh, for more of the you know some more on an experienced level? Any uh. Any really cool places that you you uh, typically find yourself uh, wanting to go to or visiting? Yeah, I like to get out and do really feel like you're out somewhere, and I like to go to when the conditions are right. Go to Three Sisters, it's another Jefferson County open space park, Aldifer Three Sisters, and they have a lot more. It's like a 2,600 acre playground. Wow. I've you know, got some more some more challenging long climbs and uh-huh. yeah I, you know I, you mentioned the the Jefferson County open spaces I was just thinking about that the other day I just coming out you know moving to Denver like I have and and uh, coming from where I came from did the the uh, 
the parks uh, out here are just phenomenal for a county. I mean, there's there's like you say thousands and thousands of acre multiple parks uh, open spaces that Jefferson County has going. It's just it's just and the and the scenery, the mountains are just absolutely phenomenal. So I've been really impressed with uh, with the county level parks out here. It's it's really quite amazing. Yeah, Jefferson County open space. It's pretty nationally famous because well over 20 years ago they they implemented and they got approval for a, a use tax, a, a sales tax that funds the open space. It's one of the first in the nation to do that. And wow, okay, that's really a great, great benefit to the, yeah. the whole front range. Yeah, lots of support. That's that's awesome. Uh, so another thing that I've heard about with uh, the fat biking is there are places that actually groom trails for uh, specifically for uh, fat mountain biking. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I have I've ridden uh, the Eagle Vale Golf Course. They groom that for multi multi sport activities, and that's incredible fun. Huh. Usually, like in our local open spaces, that once it snows, if it if it snows more than four or five inches, the fat bike they won't they won't go through powder. They don't float like magic. Yeah. You need help. You need like some snowshoers to go out there and pack it down. And mm-hmm. usually you want to wait a day, day or two after a good snow to get get some of the different people out there to kind of pack it down for you. But yeah, if you go somewhere where it's groomed, that is a real treat. Huh. Yeah, it's almost like uh, it's almost like snowmobiling, <laughs> snowmobiling uh, tracks or something. Yeah, getting out there and yeah, and a lot cruising of the, through the woods like that. A lot of the, yeah, absolutely. The Nordic, some of the Nordic centers up in Summit County do that. And I know they do it in Leadville and Crested Butte. Yeah, in so, fact, uh, there's some events coming up. I was looking at. I'll be talking about that in the um, next Waypoint section of the show. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool opportunities. Uh, that's pretty much the bulk of. Um, what I was going to ask you about, uh, especially from the perspective of somebody like myself who's, you know, fairly new to it, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in the same boat and are interested in it and really want to, want to get, get started. So that's, that's all great advice. Really appreciate all that. Um, there was a couple kind of oddball things I wanted to ask you too, if we had time, which we do. The, uh, the, I, I was noticing there's this guy that, uh, designed a two wheel drive bike. Have you seen that? Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. So my immediate thought to that was, well, you know, it, it's got this drive shaft and this gearage going. Um, does the ice kind of get stuck in that? Is it even, is it even a valuable thing? Uh, do you know anything about how how well it works, or if it if it if it's something that's new that might be kind of changing how we do mountain biking in the future? I'm sure. I've heard good things about it. I would love to test one. Um, I know that company. They cross over and they they made them on dirt bikes for off and on for quite a few years and then they're transferring that over to to the pedaling. I'm not sure if they can get it light enough. Yeah. Weight weight would be a concern, but yeah, you're always adding it weight. It might really. Yeah, hey, I was just curious about that. Kind of a, a little bit tangential, but <laughs> bike related. Which I figure you being the bike expert. You might know something, at least more, definitely know more than I do. So anything else you uh, want to add to our discussion? Uh, anything you want the listeners to know about getting involved in fat biking, uh, winter time mountain biking? 
Well, I would just encourage people to just go for it, not not agonize over thinking they have to have all this special gear. You can wear amazingly little. Your core gets so warm. I just wear <laughs> tights, you know, stuff I use for chilly cycling. And then the biggest thing is you want to have your hands and your your hands and your toes are what what is the hardest thing to keep warm, but you actually your core gets really hot. You, people overdress all the time, and I, I start out a little chilly. Yeah. I start out a little chilly, and then, but I get, I, they've got, I've got bar mittens on my, my fat bike and my wife's. Uh huh. And that just knocks the, keeps the wind from getting to your gloves, and I can just wear glove liners even in the teens. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've noticed the same thing with cross country skiing. People, you know, a lot of, winter's actually my favorite season. People think I'm crazy, but <laughs> I just tell them like, Hey, if you don't like the cold, just go out cross country skiing. You'll be fine. So it sounds like this, uh, mountain biking thing in the winter might be pretty similar to that. <clears throat> you just get really warm when you're exercising like that. It's one way to keep yourself warm in the cold months, right? Yep. Yep. You just put some shoe covers on to just block the wind, wear some wool socks and you can just wear snow boots or hiking boots. And most people ride with the flat. Flat platform pedals on the bikes. I have like downhill pedals where you still clip in. Uh huh. But the problem is that the heat, the cleat, and the cold and snow and ice, and it transfers the cold right up into your feet. So mm-hmm. I had to I had to go out to a fabric store. I I got some uh, real thin insulation material, and I cut that into my footbed shape, and then put it under my footbed, and that made a huge difference. Wow. So I could still yeah, good idea. clip in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so a few little strategies with the hands. And I know a lot of people use the uh, those chemical hand warmers. They get gloves that have a pocket for those. And But, yeah, I just, they're so accessible. And there's demos. Like, they just did a partnership with Jefferson County Open Space to, and uh, a shop in Golden, a great shop, uh, Big Ring Cycles. And they, there's a local Colorado company, Borealis Bikes, that makes awesome fat bikes. And they all partnered up, and they went out to Flying J, and they had 50 people register. And then it was a fundraiser for the open space. Mm-hmm. And it was just a big way to try out fat biking. And I think I believe the demos were free. And it's just there's a bunch of people out there. So they're doing a couple more of those. Yeah, and you know, as I was getting ready to talk to you, I I just kind of did some cursory searches on the internet, and I I was finding all kinds of places, Wyoming, uh, up in Canada, like all over the place. Uh, A lot of times there's these bike shops or stores that do uh, offer those types of demos for people, and so that would definitely be something um, I would recommend as well to people is just kind of keep your eyes peeled for those kinds of things in your local area. Cause they are happening pretty frequently. It looks like, you know, at least once or twice a winter in, in most, it seems like in most uh, areas where winter sports is a pretty big thing. So, you know, you might want to Google that and check that out wherever you're living and, and see if there's anything, any kind of one of those free demos and, and let, you know, like, like, like you were saying, Andy, there's of course, you know, people have the option to go out and rent from a place that is making those available to rent, but certainly the bike shops would let you, um, take one out first, but I did that. I went to a bike shop and just, you know, tried, try to try to fat bike out for a while myself. And, you know, they were more than happy to tell me a little bit about it and, you know, let me uh, experience it for myself for a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. 
of course, with Beeline Bikes, we've got, we are celebrating our, our one-year anniversary for our Colorado Front Range franchise. And, yeah, people can contact me directly, and we can meet meet and ride together. I've got – we have a small – we don't have a huge fleet of demo stuff. We're kind of just starting out, but we have a few few options that way. So. Oh, cool, yeah. So how, how would somebody get a hold of you if they wanted to uh, arrange for that? Yeah, I can be reached on my, my email. It's uh, andy.brannon, that's B like boy, R-A-N-N-O-N, at BlineBikes.com. Okay, great. Yeah, I appreciate you ma- making that offer to our audience, and I'm sure uh, hopefully hopefully some of those, if you're out there, you're thinking about doing this. Um, obviously, Andy you know, is a great guy to talk to, as we've been discussing, and uh all these issues. So, you know, get, get with him. And uh, again, Andy, appreciate that offer. Um, and speaking of beeline bikes, could you describe that? I think this is really, this is a really cool business idea, I think. Uh, and, and not just cool in and of itself, but a really, really practical, right? And, uh, this, uh, mobile bike shop system that you're a part of. Can you, uh, describe that to the audience and, and how you're involved with that, what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a, a couple of awesome uh, Ford Transit vans that are like sprinters. They're a real tall van. They're 22 feet long, and they're full of a whole bike shop's worth of parts for road bikes, commuter bikes, and mountain bikes. We've got every – we do full-service work in the van. We've got a clamp clamp built into the inside of the van and great LED lighting and all the tools for any kind of job. And we've got, like I said, all the parts for – to support any any kind of cycling and we people we have a great website um com. you do your own schedule people can book their own appointment and they can see our schedule and we just show up at their house for work and grab their bike and go over it with them and give them an estimate right there and then once it's approved we do the work in an hour hour and a half and they get their bike back they can book an appointment in the morning and then we can do it, and they'll be out there in the afternoon instead of waiting for who knows how long from a shop. So it's a new, innovative way to do it, and people love it. Yeah, that is so cool. I just uh, a couple of my one of my friends was actually on the street corner, um, pretty close to my neighborhood, with his bike broken down just a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was like a week ago or two. It was sometime after Christmas, and uh, I saw him out there, and and my wife noticed him first actually, and. And she said, I think his bike is broken. And we had to go, we pulled over and sure enough, he had a flat and we had to go, uh, kind of help him out. We took, got him a ride back to his house, then got him a ride to the bike shop, got him a tire. <laughs> he got it so he could get a pick up an inner tube, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and then took him back to his house and got it all, got him all situated. So it turned out to be a kind of a chain of, <laughs> of events, you know, as, you know, when you don't have, you know, an, a spare on you or something or some, or something even more serious goes wrong. That, that's, that's just a great business, business idea. Um, really cool. And he says beelinebikes.com is the website. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I looked at the, I, I was at, <clears throat> it was like a, a couple of days ago, I was looking at that site and that, uh, that van contraption you guys have, it looks pretty, it looks like you can fix anything <laughs> with what's in there. It's a uh, yep. special operations for a uh, mountain bike repair. <laughs> so great stuff. Um, now the other thing I wanted to ask you about is this trip for kids thing and, uh, how you're involved, what you're doing with that. 
sounds like a great, great uh, organization. Um, obviously, there's there's a, a great need to help kids uh, get out and explore their uh, explore nature, explore you know have some adventures, get build confidence, right, build some life skills and, and all that. And obviously, uh, the outdoors is a great way to help with all of that. So, and so, I was really fascinated by uh, your involvement with that organization too. Can you uh, explain that to the audience a little bit also? Oh, for sure, yeah. And my opinion is, you know, bikes, they can solve a lot of the world's problems as far as health and fitness and then giving people goals and green energy, you know, not using – you can do so much around Denver without mm-hmm. needing a car. You can get all around and commuting and just health and – Yeah. And even, uh, you know, like I, outside therapy is what I call it. You, you can go – pedal away your frustrations and and trips for kids it's a national organization and the Andrew Goodwillie took over a floundering uh, Denver chapter back in 2004 and I came along you know a few months later with some time on my hands and I had a a truck so we used I volunteered once I learned about it every chance I could get and I helped provide the transportation. We had four or five bikes in his garage that were donated from the the chapter that never really took off. And yeah, we provide day trip mountain bike outings and partner with Jefferson County Open Space and they've been super welcoming, you know, over it's been sixteen years or so now that the Denver chapter started and we built it up to be the second largest chapter in the country and we got it up to where we were taking over a thousand kids out with a fleet of 80 bikes is what it grew to. Wow. Man. And I led the majority of the rides after I was a volunteer for a few years and then helped raise money and wanted to do it more and more. And it just became really popular and then it turned into a full-time gig for about the last six years that I was involved and and they're still, we've handed it off to some great new people and mm-hmm. they've got a, the ride program and they have a recycled bike shop now, Lucky Bikes Recyclery at Federal and Jewel. And then they have an earn a bike program. That's a kind of an off season when we can't do rides. Mm-hmm. We started a program where kids could fix up donated bikes and then they could earn them. <laughs> ah, that's, that's tremendous. Just what an awesome organization. And, uh, I did look up their, uh, website too. They've, they've got a, the international organization is, uh, tripsforkids.org. And they have, uh, locations all across the United States, some in Canada, Israel even, and Sierra Leone. So they're all yeah. over the place. And, uh, it sounds like they're growing too, right? Yep. Great. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, if you, I, I definitely would recommend if, if you're looking for a way that you can make a difference, this, this organization, just as Andy has described, uh, to us is just, just totally tremendous. And, uh, obviously the more help that they can get, the better. They have, uh, several options that you can help them with, uh, on their website. If you go to the donate page, you can, obviously they, any organization, they, they need funding to, uh, to keep, you know, their operations going. Um, so they always appreciate, uh, some donations, uh, but even the do- donations of bikes themselves and, uh, volunteers to help like, uh, like Andy has done. So anything else that, uh, that, that, uh, would help them, Andy? 
that's mainly, yeah, just people learning about them through their website and offering their time. They need yeah, volunteers for all the different programs, and there's details for that. Yeah, definitely a wonderful organization. I'm still close to them. I use the Beeline van. Sometimes somebody doesn't want to put the money into a bike that's not worth not worth it to them and then I'll offer them the donation option and I have donation tax deduction cards in my in the in the beeline van for trips for kids and I'll give that to them and give them a receipt and take the bike so that's a great partnership cool yeah well thank you so much for everything you've done uh, for our community for uh, for those kids um, you know you just can't put a price on how much of a difference that kind of thing makes and uh, it's it's just so awesome though there's people like you out in our community going and and doing those kinds of things. So uh, thanks, Andy, for all that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a great community. I, yeah, we partnered with the Colorado Mountain Bike Association and Jefferson County Open Space, and yeah, I sure couldn't have the energy and the opportunity to provide that to the community without support from family and friends. And my wife's amazing, allowing me to do all, a lot of this stuff, and can't thank Wendy enough for that. And met so many great people through all these adventures. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's, uh, kind of, again, appreciate all that and let's, uh, kind of wrap this up a little bit. Now, one thing we typically, uh, try to do anytime we come in contact with somebody over here at our Uncharted, we always try to ask some folks out there, what are some lesser known places or lesser known things to do that you think more people should discover? Um, and you just did a great job in introducing, uh, fat biking to us. So if there's anything else you have to add, it doesn't have to be about biking related, it be anything, any, uh, any lesser known uncharted types of, uh, places or things that you think more people should know about. I just encourage people to, you don't have to travel really far. You just go out and walk around the neighborhood and go on a bike trail or a hiking trail and paved or unpaved and you just it's always amazing what you go through these great parks and you feel like you're getting away from it all even if you're just down the block so yeah that's so true never (laughs) never stop moving never stop moving get up there and do some yeah that's 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 fantastic advice and uh you know never stop moving and just so often some of the greatest discoveries are just right in our own backyard we don't even know they're out there it just takes a matter of having a little bit of uh motivation commitment getting out there and carving out some time and i i don't think i don't know about you but i've never regretted uh going to the outdoors or going and trying to do something new so <laughs> that's right there there are some foods that i might have done better with uh not <laughs> not trying but uh other than that <laughs> uh pig intestine being one of them when i was in asia i, I don't think i'll do that one again <laughs> um but uh awesome. All right, so last question for you, Andy, and uh this is sort of the grand finale. What is your craziest bike story? One of our listeners wants to know. <laughs> uh one of my old racing buddies, Steve and I, we used to go explore before we had apps like the mountain bike project or trail forks where you could get all this information. We would just go start up a forest service road and we were both living in New Mexico at the time and we started out at this place, uh, Cochiti Canyon, and we just started finding trails, and they would lead to Forest Service roads, and we'd go up a road looking for trails, and we just got, we just kept having fun and seeing great scenery, and we just kept going and going, and we were, 
we ended up running out of food and water and then a storm came in and it was hailing like to beat the band and we were getting pelted and we didn't have coats or anything. It was real warm down at the bottom and then we get up there and so we're just about hyperthermic and we're standing around under a tree and shivering and thinking we're going to get hypothermia and so it was still coming down and we just we got to get on our bikes and ride so we can generate some heat. <laughs> it was, we ended up just getting totally lost and dehydrated and oh man it was yeah a, a big misadventure and we ended up you know out there for like 12 hours or something and found our way back and yeah luckily we can still joke about it but yeah it was a, <laughs> yeah now now you can laugh right <laughs> yeah it sounds terrible <laughs> gosh <laughs> oh man now how did you end up uh getting unlocked i mean how did, how did you get out of that situation if you don't mind asking oh well, after this, it's funny because the storm passed and the sun came back out and we, we ended up coming across a, a crew of firefighters that were out there looking around and I don't know if they were training or what they were doing, but we, they had some maps and we were trying to tell them where we started from, but we were, I don't even know, we were probably over 20 miles from where we started and we were telling them where we started and they, they were like, no, you couldn't have been there because that's too far away. And they just couldn't imagine that we pedaled all the way out there. And so they were not much help really, but <laughs> we reused their maps and kind of got an idea of where we had to go. And yeah, we ended up coming down to some like private property and we ended up kind of just bushwhacking across and carrying our bikes through, through these those mountainous New Mexico terrain. And Oof. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it worked out. We just got lucky. <laughs> okay. Sometimes that's all it takes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, yes. Well, I'm glad you made it so you could talk with us today. <laughs> so awesome. it's been a lot of fun. I, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Wendy appreciates that uh, you made it through that too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she <laughs> bought me a uh I had another snowshoeing adventure sort of like that where I came home hours and hours late from uh the Squaw Pass area and she bought me a spot device, a satellite tracker after that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> now you'll never be lost, or at least she'll never lose track yeah. of you. <laughs> yeah. You might not yeah. know where you are, but she will, right? <laughs> yeah, at least I can I can check in okay. I can check in and let her know I'm still moving and everything's good. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, on a serious note, that's, that's an incredibly awesome resource to have. If you're the kind of person that puts yourself into those kind of situations uh, on a frequent basis <laughs> or even an infrequent. Yep. So uh, having been involved in search and rescue uh, myself, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more of that technology out there, a little bit more competition, lower prices. So it was more of a regular thing because uh, it's n not a good thing when you, when, you know, the end of the story isn't as good as yours. So, um, but yeah, what a man, glad, glad you made it. All right. Well, um, anything else you want to add before we uh, conclude here? No, it's been great talking to you. I really appreciate you reaching out and getting me on. And yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you. I really uh, and likewise appreciate you being on the show. Um, you know, our plan is to in the future we we want to keep uh, keep rolling with this podcast. Um, this is still you know, a part-time project for those of us, a uh, few of us that are kind of getting this, uh, this project rolling. And, and so we just fit it in when we can, but, um, you know, we're looking at 
doing some future episodes, of course, um, maybe bring in mountain biking itself or some other, some other topics. So if you don't, if, uh, if you're willing to do it, we'd love to have you on the show again when, uh, when the topic is right for you, if you know, if, uh, that's something you'd be interested in. For sure. Yep. And I just became a, an explorer myself. And I, I was on the uncharted.net website and I love the concept and the community there. So I look forward to the next adventures. All right. Awesome. Good news. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch there and uh, amongst, uh, other places. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to run into you in person sometime. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe up in, the, in one of those parks <laughs> at some point. But, uh, awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. Again, all of you listeners out there, if you're uh, interested in, uh, doing, getting involved in fat tire mountain biking, winter mountain biking, you know who to talk to. Andy Brandon here, um, with his contact info and, uh, that he left for you. And of course, uh, go ahead and check out his Beeline Bikes if you happen to be in the area, BeelineBikes.com. And, uh, again, thanks for being on the show, Andy, and, uh, you have a great one. All right, Joe. Thanks. Bye. All right. You take care. Okay, and so moving on with the rest of the show, let's move on to the Explorer Tips section. And for today's Explorer Tip, I have a few great pointers, like I mentioned when we were talking with Andy, about some fat bike or and or winter mountain biking best practices. These were actually posted from the International Mountain Bicycling Association, IMBA, a while back. And so I'm just going to share the, a few of those tips with you. And there's a website where they've listed all these great tips for the winter mountain biking and fat biking here. I can't possibly go into all of the great tips that they have on there. Really appreciate IMBA for posting this. And just to give you another flavor of some of the other links they have, they have uh, links to the Snowmobile Trail Associations, Cross-Country Ski Area Associations. They have some tips posted on dressing for riding in extreme cold, i.e. negative 40 degrees (laughs) Fahrenheit, and some other safety tips. So go ahead and check that out. I'm going to post the link to that on the podcast. You can just, if one quick way to get it is to just go into Google or another search engine and just type in IMBA winter mountain biking, and it will probably be the first link that pops up. And it's, again, it's just a great list of some tips to keep in mind as you're out there exploring the uncharted on your mountain bike or fat bike in the winter. Next is the feel section of the show. And this is the part of the show where we just take a quick break and sit back, listen, and immerse ourselves with the sound from somewhere out there in the uncharted. And so this time I am sharing with you a sound clip from some audio I recorded when I visited southern Arizona. So go ahead, take a listen, and we'll be right back.
And now moving on to the next part of the show, the gear section. Just a quick brief tip about something that might help you with your winter hiking, winter explorations, and even even not in the winter, but also if you happen to be in real dusty conditions or uh, rocky, what have you. Uh, if you haven't heard of gaiters before, you should really uh, give it a try. I and bear with me, those of you who already know what gaiters are and have used them, but. Uh, for the, I've been surprised that a lot of folks uh, haven't used them or tried them out. They're actually a great resource that I highly recommend uh, because uh, what a gaiter is is it just in, it just wraps around your shoe or boot and protects the uh, top side where the laces are from water, snow, etc., ice, whatnot, getting into your your uh, <clears throat> footwear. And so it's a great resource if you happen to be treading through some deep powder or you're out there exploring. And even things like with the dust, if you want to keep that sand from getting into your shoes and whatnot, it can help with that as well. But especially in the winter, I've found them to be very useful. And they just strap onto your laces or they have a buckle that goes around uh, underneath your foot or a, a rope like a paracord type of thing. I've, I've also seen versions that... Uh, go higher up your leg and uh, go over the tops of your ankles and uh, even up to your knees. It really depends what t- type of activity you're going to be involved in. So there are different types of gaiters out there for different types of types of activities. You have the alpine versions. You have more of the like uh, very active running style that I've used actually a lot for when I go. I, <clears throat> I don't let the the snow stop me from running. Uh, as you know, as you might know, I do, am involved in the sport of orienteering, so I go running off trails quite a bit. And so in the winter time, obviously, you know, I want to have good shoes for running, but at the same time, I don't want to be wet uh, in my socks and that. So the gaiters actually, I have little gaiters that actually help with that, and then I've got gaiters for my boots as well. So a great resource; it can protect you from uh, some of the scrub uh, along the your feet and the lower side of your leg as you're moving through terrain but especially for the winter they're a great resource helps keep keep your feet nice and dry as you're treading through that deep powder so uh, a lot of your typical local gear shop will probably have a, a couple different versions of gaiters that you can use and obviously you can get specialty ones for special purposes be it your mountaineering or alpine type of things that you're doing as well so Go ahead and check those things out, and um, let me know if you have any other additional tips on that. But uh, that's a real quick, easy way to kind of make your journey a little bit nicer when you're having to tread through that deep snow and so forth. Okay, so we're getting close to wrapping up this episode, but before we do... A very important thing not to forget is we always want to hear from our explorers out there who have been going out and exploring the uncharted. This is a great opportunity to uh, bring somebody on who's been out there and had a great, great experience to share with us. So as I was looking through some of the uh, content that's been uploaded to the Uncharted website, I came across John Milligan's content on Moab mountain biking, Slick Rock Trail, Porcupine Rim, all that, read through his story. What a great experience. And uh, as I was talking with Andy earlier in the podcast, <laughs> the Slick Rock Trail was I kind of did this backwards, John, and appreciate you being on the show, but I, uh, I ended up doing, uh, Slick Rock Trail as my first mountain biking, my first real mountain biking experience. <laughs> so I got, spo- <laughs> I got spoiled right from the start, like I was telling Andy. So, 
anyways, um, wanted to welcome you to the show, John. Again, thank you uh, for coming and talking with us briefly here. Just wanted to highlight your story and, and ask you, uh, as I'm as I'm looking at this, just what what was it like to go and do the mountain biking for uh, the Slick Rock Trail, Porcupine Rim, for from your perspective? Well, hey, thanks, Joe. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me. Yeah, um, going down to Moab, of course, is a really unique experience. Always is. It's like I say, it's one of those places. There's a lot of people who kind of come and and they blast through it and and uh, really never come back. And it, it's one of those places that deserves just going back time and time and time again. It's always a new experience. It is just nothing more unique than the Moab area where you have uh, the LaSalle's, you know, 12,600 feet uh, snow cap year round, just towering above the red sand and, and uh, Moab area, which is actually an ancient uh, it's sunk. It's on sunken salt there that sunk down, and that's what Moab's on top of. And so it's just one of the most unique, picturesque uh, uh, places, and it's a place I just love to go back to time and time again. And uh, I, I, I've just loved it. When when we first started going down, it was pretty wild. You used to be able to camp at Slick Rock itself, and it was back before they charged to go up there. It was just a dirt road. And uh, they used to have a bunch of parties up there, <laughs> guys jumping through fires, stuff like that. And they finally, you know, they said, well, we're not going to have all this mess. And so they finally, uh, you know, they, they have what they have now. And so it's changed a little bit over the years. And and since I'm kind of a freeloader, I, I camp a lot further away now <laughs> <laughs> from uh, Slick Rock itself. But there's some other great secret places around Moab that have some great just pillowy um uh rock i mean if that's what you're going for you want some technical rock you want just a, a really fun almost like a skate park you know it's god state skate park down there you can go down there you might even slide over in a canyon and see some old dinosaur tracks all, all in the same trip and uh i i guess uh something that me and my brothers love to do my sister's been a guide down there for almost 20 years now on the river and uh her uh her boyfriend christian dean he actually uh grew up down there uh well he actually lived in a teepee for a while over in castle valley which is by moab so it's it's real fun to get down there with them and just a wonderful place but if, if you're looking for just adrenaline it's a wonderful place to go you got you got a lot of ups a lot of quick ups a lot of quick downs uh i'll never forget one of the guys that I was uh, there once with a really great uh, videographer, and he was he was over there, and he was filming a guy. I can't remember his last name, but I remember his first name was Ebor, and he was a, ranked second in the world in mountain bikes, and he was just shooting straight down cliffs, <laughs> you know, riding on his riding on his front wheel. I mean, the guy was yeah, just amazing. Yeah, bike and extension of his body. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was. It got me hooked, and I, I guess. Uh, just keep going back. Yeah, that's kind of the general experience in Moab. Yeah, I mean, boy. You know. Yeah, as you're describing it, it's starting to bring back some memories. You're, you know, mentioning the uh, just how how many little secret kind of nooks and crannies there are just all over the place. It's it's just you know until you're there, you don't really realize just how vast 
that that expanse of nooks and crannies and ups and downs like you that's the other thing is the ups and downs are just just incredible like if you haven't experienced that type of friction on and that type of terrain it's just out of this world it is so cool and and like you say there's just so many places you could explore you know within that area that that are just endless it's just it's just phenomenal so yeah yeah it's crazy i've even been uh you know rafting down there on thanksgiving day it was so warm we were in a we were in short sleeve shirts you know it was it was great it's just an amazing place it's uh endless opportunity yeah you know it's it's one of those places like we we try to focus on uncharted as sort of off the beaten path and and obviously slick rock is one of those major you know hallmark locations for you know it's it's just you know it's the mecca of (laughs) in many respects for for mountain biking right but but at the same time there's so much to explore down there you couldn't you probably could spend your whole life down there (laughs) and not and not explore every little nook and cranny is that's that's out there to offer and every every feature that's down there it's just just phenomenal out of this world i also wanted you were you were talking on your uh story that you posted too some safety considerations you know you talked about the ups and downs uh just recently here on the show but but with those ups and downs obviously comes a little bit a bit of danger a little bit of cliff drops and so forth can you speak to some of the safety things that you uh, safety considerations you stumbled on when you were experiencing that yeah you know particularly on this trip it was uh it's been a few times in my life i've been able to assist with a life flight situations and this was one of them as we were going around on Slick Rock in particular, uh, the quick ups and downs uh, kind of took a victim there uh, somewhat. He was an older man in his 50s and came down and in one of the sand pits and just it, you know caught his front wheel and went forward and at least broke his collarbone and maybe some other things. And anyway, he 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 was not mobile anymore, and so uh, lifelike came and to rescue him and and they they asked for our assistance. To, to load him on. And, uh, so we, we got him loaded up and, and they took him away. And, you know, as far as I know, he's probably just fine now. But, you know, there's, there's other people that don't make it out well. So, you know, you, you got to remember where you are. You're, you're really in the middle of nowhere, very far away from any sort of real medical attention. So be careful with the risks you take out there. And, and, and think about what you take with you. Um, water is a really big deal when you get out that far. I, I, I remember on that trip, I brought a gallon, which I thought would be fine. I blew right through it. And luckily we actually ran into some of the search and rescue there and they, they helped, they gave us a, a little extra water and I needed it. It's, uh, it's one of those places where, you know, you look at the temperature and you think, oh, I can handle that. But what you don't realize is all that the lithosphere, the rock around there is, is heated up so hard, so high that that heat is releasing off it. It's like you're in an oven and, and yeah. it just takes more out of you than you expect. And oh, so yeah. really making sure that you have the, the correct amount of water, making sure that you're not overheating. The Porcupine Rim Trail, I think 2005, there was a lady, um, she was almost done with the trail and they, uh, she, she started to have problems and they, they laid her down, and unfortunately, she didn't make it out. She she actually passed away right there from heat stroke. Mm-hmm. So heat stroke, uh, you know, not having water 
is is one of the big things for them. They said that they they do about 25 rescues a year just in the Moab Slick Rock area, not counting the the surrounding terrain. So you can imagine that that's there's a lot of stuff. So if, if you get out there in the secret places and even further away, you really need to make sure you have the right amount of people there with you and and and, and uh, if make sure you have communication. Uh, if, if you have a, a cell phone, uh, you know CBs or even ham radio type stuff, so you can get help or so that you can assist and help others who need it. Yeah, those are all great points, and uh, I I remember doing a search and rescue. I was I was on an air crew searching for somebody down in that area, <clears throat> the Red Rock area, and uh, man, it's it's it is it can be pretty unforgiving. Like you say, it gets really hot, you know, triple digits on a routine basis, and uh, and then you know add to it like you're saying the rocks, the environment. It can really really be unforgiving. So, um. But obviously, if you're prepared, it can be a tremendous experience like you, uh, like you had, like I've had. <laughs> so, um, it's all about being prepared. Uh, so yeah, appreciate those pointers, John. Um, sure. any, any other advice you would have for somebody who wants to go out to uh, Slick Rock for the first time? Well, yeah, you know, before you go ahead and out there, make sure that you're, you're in shape. Make sure you're proficient with, with your, uh, bike. Make sure those around you are also in, in shape and, and, you know, make sure you have a few tools for your bike and, and you know how to kind of get through in a pinch and I, you'll have a lot better. I, I've, I've seen so many people that just got out there and just, they just weren't ready for it. But, you know, so, so get around your local area, find a, a, a group or, or whatnot or some other people and, and get out there and ride around. Make sure you're proficient, you know, fix. Do a few things with your bike. Make sure you can. I know. I know it sounds crazy, but I ran across people that couldn't, you know, change their their tires out. And you're going to get some flat tires. There's some thorny stuff out there in the desert, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, you know. But most of all, I think my leg know, noticed that uh, <laughs> as I brushed across a few. <laughs> yeah. A few cactus plants. Yeah. yeah. So don't 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 overextend, but but also. So, so when, when you go down, just enjoy it. Just relax and enjoy it and, 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 you know, take time to, because the scenery really is, is what is really special there too. There's, you know, there's kind of, it's just a special place. It's just, it's one of those places of imagination, you know, a place you'd imagine they do a Star Wars, you know, movie where, pod racing or something and, and then you're right in the middle of it so don't forget to enjoy it while you're there i mean you just start snapping photos and you're going to get you're going to get some stuff to take home yeah and it's yeah and it's always you know it's one of those things too you always want to give yourself a little bit of time to take in the scenery just just kind of absorb it you know and how often do we just you know, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because how often do we just rush, rush through things? We try to see everything in one trip, you know, and <laughs> I've been guilty of that myself many a time. So uh, that's 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 a really good pointer too. I think is just just take some time to soak it in, right? No, yeah, I think so. And and you know, if if you're going to Moab for mountain biking, and make it easy on yourself. Go go in the spring, the early spring, or or in the fall, you know, try to avoid the, the hot parts of the year if you can. 
and unless you're really unless you're really ready for it you really know what you're getting into because if you can avoid that that august and july temperatures i mean it it is brutal I, this wasn't in moab but i i i hiked out a havasu probably not that long ago and that's a 10 mile uphill and the last two miles we didn't leave early enough and so it, it got to the hot part of the day and it got you know it was 110 degrees with a 60 pound pack and you know yeah. <laughs> you can avoid those hot temperatures hot part of the day whatever you can do you know if you leave earlier in the day if, if you're down there in the summer and, and make sure that you're you go early and get back before the heat of the day and do whatever you can but really protect yourself from that sun don't forget about all that you know sunscreen obviously and there's you, you know you're fairly exposed down there there's not a lot of shades it's yeah. just some stuff about right yeah all good points and <clears throat> by the way those of you listening there there is a great amount of tips from John here on his story he's he he goes into everything from where to park to the costs to where to eat in the local area. Just some awesome tips there. Um, great photographs too, John. I was looking through those too. Those are, those are just awesome. Some awesome photos. You get, definitely have a talent for the camera. Well, uh, you know, like I say, all you have to do down there is start pushing that button. You will get some great <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, you, you know, press the black little button and you become a photographer right before you guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, great job regardless. I, I mean, uh, just, yeah, it makes me want to go back for sure. So, and yeah. so, uh, those of you listening, you can check out his story. It's called Mountain Biking in Moab, Utah. And, uh, it is under his profile, John Milligan. And so you can just go to the uh, uncharted.net website, look under explorers, go to his, uh, Go to his profile and you can look at his blogs and he's got, he's got uh, not just the mountain biking story, but he's got a ton of other things. So I wouldn't be surprised, John, if I'll ask you to come on the show again at some point in the future. <laughs> um, but really appreciate you sharing all that with us. Um, just, just some great stuff, John. Well, I look forward to hearing from some other people that, you know, in their experiences and, and, uh, you know, what, what they think and what, what um, stuff they've learned that they can teach me too. I know there's a lot of people that love to go down there. It'll just be fun as a group to learn together. Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it. Uh, John Milligan with his mountain biking and Moab story. Again, thanks. Thanks again, John, for coming on the show and uh, we'll talk to you again another time. All right. Thanks, Joe. Okay. So for next waypoints, portion of the show. There's a few events coming up that you might be interested in checking out. In fact, one of them I'm going to be definitely trying to make it out to myself. Uh, first, uh, we were talking about fat biking, mountain biking, and so forth. There is uh, a new sort of race series that has started in Colorado, the Summit Mountain Challenge Fat Bike Series in Ulbreich. The Ullerbrikes has already happened, but there's a couple, uh, couple neat activities still happening with the race series for if you're interested in getting into fat tire mountain biking, you're already involved and you want to get into some races. There's actually having a few different races. There's one on February 4th up at Frisco Adventure Park and Nordic Center at 3 o'clock. 
and it's called the Frisco Freeze. And then February 18th, there's another fat tire biking race over at Copper Mountain, and that's going to be in the evening with lights required. And then on February 25th, there is going to be another fat tire bike race at Breckenridge at 4 p.m. So some great races coming up and some awesome terrain and obviously a lot of lot of uh, great opportunities there in Colorado in general for the skiing and that in conjunction with these type of activities. <clears throat> this time of the year, it's a great time to be in Colorado. So uh, some neat races there coming up for those of you that want to get involved and more even get started into fat tire mountain biking racing. I myself, I'm, I'm not so versed in fat tire biking just yet that I'm confident enough to go out in a race, but I am an orienteering athlete and love to get out there. For those of you that don't know what orienteering is, it's land navigation racing. So you're running literally cross country, not just on trails, but literally off trails, cross country through the woods while navigating a course as fast as you can. So there is another version that's not running, but skiing that is is basically cross-country ski racing, but with a navigational element. And in 1998, I think it was, in Japan, that this sport was actually in the Olympics. And the running sport's in the World Games, but it's a, so it's a very international sport. Anyways, there's going to be some ski-orienteering races coming up this winter in the Colorado area as well. And I'm going to try to make it out on February 4th at Devil's Thumb Ranch where the the Rocky Mountain Orienteering Club is going to be putting on a orienteering race for ski orienteering as well as a snowshoe variant, a snowshoe orienteering race as well. So pretty cool activities there. They also have another event on Sunday, February 5th in Granby and uh, Saturday, March 4th in Eldoro near uh, Nederland and another one on March 18th which is another Saturday at Mueller State Park. Uh, so those are some of the ones that are on my radar, the Saturday ones at least, probably. So if you're interested in checking those out, uh, send an email to uh, feedback at uncharted.net and, uh, or podcast at uncharted.net, rather, and uh, let me know if you're going to be going up there and I can give you some more details about that because uh, the club hasn't published everything uh, completely, but I'm uh, more than willing to to bring anyone along who wants to go. And <clears throat> so those are a couple events that you might consider. And, uh, of course, as we have other events that look like they're pretty cool to go to, we'll try to post those onto our Facebook or Twitter uh, as well at our Uncharted accounts there. And last part of the show is just some news for you with Uncharted. First is the website. We're working on the website, building it as we go. It's definitely not finished. There's definitely parts that are not working, and we're just fixing them as we notice them and as we kind of tweak it as we go. So uh, we are really anxious to get any feedback from you that we can possibly get to help us know uh, what we can do to make the Uncharted website better for you at over at Uncharted.net. So I encourage you to get on there and uh, check it out. 
if you haven't done so already, make an Explorer profile. Just join up as an Explorer. And uh, by the way, be sure when you join, when you sign up, that there will be a link that will come to you. It, it, hopefully, it comes to your inbox. We've noticed sometimes it winds up in people's spam box. So you might want to check that spam box and make sure that the activation link that we send in return after you sign up actually gets to you. And then uh, as you once you create your profile, then your profile will be up and good, up and running and good to go. Um, but the, mo the important thing is as you're using the website, we are really anxious to get that feedback from you. If you notice any things that are not working and even, even better, if you have ideas that would make the Uncharted website work better for you, that can help you better explore the Uncharted, you know, any kinds of applications or capabilities that you think are missing that would make it better for you to, maybe it's, it will make, maybe there's a, a capability that will help you more easily travel or easily find information or make reservations or what 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 have you if there's anything we can do with a website that will help you better explore the uncharted please send those ideas we are so anxious to hear from you and and hear how we can make this better for you because we're kind of building as we go with the idea that we're not going to build something um, unless we know it's going to be helpful to any of you who are out there connecting with uncharted and wanting to explore the uncharted so uh, you can send that feedback to our feedback email address which is feedback at uncharted.net also, uh, another news item is I'm working on some land navigation instructional videos right now. Really excited to be doing it and uh, just trying to get out there and help as many people as I possibly can who want to improve their navigational techniques or skills, what have you. Anything from using a compass to reading a map and using a map. Uh, my first video that I'm going to be releasing in spring is going to be about navigating at high elevations and on some of the special considerations for that. Uh, but I'm looking at a lot of other topics. So like I said, everything, anything from using a compass to even things like navigating in urban settings or overseas. So if there's any topics, anything out there that you think I can help you with that you might want to improve on or you want to see come out of these navigation videos, please send that feedback to us also at that same email address. You can send a feedback at uncharted.net. And uh, finally, just a, you know, a, a quick encouragement too. If you haven't done so already, you can sign up at the Uncharted website to become an explorer and connect with us. Um, that will add add you to our email uh, distro. So when we have news, we can send it out to you. Um, we don't we don't really send out a whole lot. Uh, so it's we're definitely not going to spam you, but we uh, we definitely try to get the word out about some things that are coming up. Um, but uh, the, you can join up as an explorer, and we would love to connect with you there at Uncharted.net. But uh, I think that's all we have time for with this episode. Really appreciate you listening to the Uncharted podcast. And, uh, again, my thanks out to Andrew Brannon, John Milligan, for being on the show today. And just want to end with the note of if you're thinking about wanting to expand your horizons, make new discoveries, have new adventures, don't let anything get in your way. Get out there and explore the Uncharted, enjoy the journey, and look forward to talking with you next time on the Uncharted Podcast. Podcast.